this session of Look at the Book, we're going to focus on three verses from 1 Corinthians 8. And they are difficult verses, both spiritually because they oppose our pride and uh, intellectually because the connection between the verses is very difficult to discern. So, Father, I ask for your help for me and for those who are watching that you would kill our pride and make us docile in humility to what you're saying and that you would give us sharpness to discern how this flows. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So this chapter is dealing with the issue of food offered to idols. Should you eat it? And if you think you should eat it, what should you think about those who don't think they should eat it, and how should you relate to them, and so on. And it was causing a great deal of difficulty in Corinth. We know that we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. These little quote marks here are not in the original Greek. They are editorial suggestions, and I think they're probably right. They're suggesting that at Corinth there were groups of people for whom this had become a slogan. We all possess knowledge, and the knowledge was uh, the fact that uh, food offered to idols was of no big deal because idols were nothing, and that knowledge was resulting in a kind of pride puffed upness, and the effect of that pride was that people were not being loved or built up. They were being destroyed. So let's sketch it like this. In, in verse 1, you have knowledge leading to pride, being puffed up right there, leading to lovelessness, which is why Paul gave the alternative here that love builds up, which, which leads not to building up, but to destruction. Because it says later, by your knowledge you are destroying your, your brother. Now this is, a, this is an unbelievably bleak picture in verse 1, and we should take note, especially those of us who, who love knowledge and who love uh, things like look at the book where we're studying and trying to understand because here's a warning that there is a kind of knowledge that produces pride, results in lovelessness, and hurts people. So we need a lot of help here. What is that kind of knowledge? If anyone imagines that he knows something, here's a, a knowing that's just imaginary. He does not yet know as he ought to know. So there is a knowing that is good, a knowing as you ought to know. So what is the imaginary knowing that means you don't really know, you don't yet know? Well, I think, wouldn't that be this knowing right here? In other words, 
what we've seen here is that this knowledge puffs up. So that's the kind of knowledge that is an imaginary knowledge. It's, if, you, if we take this to mean nobody can presume to know anything, which if you just took it out of context, it would sound that way. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he doesn't yet know as he ought to know, meaning you can't know anything. Well, we know that's not true because in this letter, this letter right here, ten times Paul says, do you not know? Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that you will judge angels? Meaning, you should know, and if you did know, it would change your behavior. So there is a, there is a right knowing, and this imaginary knowing here, we have to figure out what it is, and in the context, it's most likely this knowing which is puffing up. So if you, if you have a knowing that is puffing you up rather than making you loving, you don't yet know. You don't have true knowledge. This is true knowledge, which is what's so amazing about this. There is a, a right knowing that is characterized how? Well, right here, by loving people. Love builds up. And if your knowing is not serving up building, it's not a knowing. It's a, an imaginary knowing. Verse 3, but... If anyone loves God, he is known by God. Now, what's shocking here at first, jarring at least, is that loving God shows up as if it were almost interchangeable with knowing as we ought to know. Because wouldn't you expect a flow something like this? If anyone imagines, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know, but... If he knows as he ought to know, he's known by God. But instead of saying, if he's knowing as he ought to know, he says, if he's loving God. As if, as if loving God were, in Paul's mind, virtually interchangeable with a right knowing. And I think Paul would say that. I think Paul would say, you don't yet know anything rightly if your knowing is not resulting in love for God, almost identical with love for God. So now the answer to what is a knowing as we ought to know, we've got two answers. One is up here in verse 1, it loves people and builds them up. And the other is here in verse 3, it loves God, worships God, treasures God, which leaves one last thing. If anyone loves God, if anyone knows God rightly like this and loves him, he is known by God. And this is here is a perfect tense in Greek, have, has, been. And the reason that's important is because this known by God precedes and enables this love. If you are loving God, if you have a knowledge that is producing love to God, your knowledge is producing love to people, something has happened to you. You have been known by God, which is another way of Paul's talking about election. Look at Amos 3, 2, where he says, You only, God says, you only, 
have I known Israel of all the peoples. So knowing Israel is the same as electing or choosing Israel. Same here. I have chosen you for myself, and that's why you love me and love people. And the reason he points that out here is because being puffed up was a big problem at uh, Corinth, and we saw it especially in chapters 1 to 4, and therefore to tell them, look, the only reason you have any knowledge at all, especially knowledge that is loving me and uh, loving people, only knowledge that's loving me and loving people, is because I, I have known you. I have set my favor upon you. I have taken note of you freely by grace and made you mine. So let's summarize it like this. There's election. And election leads to uh, humility. This um, this puffed upness right here pops. He pops this this bubble when when he realizes, look, you're known by me. I chose you. You didn't come up with this knowledge on your own. That humility results in a a true knowing of God, and that knowing. Uh, it shows its truth in serving uh, love for people and serving love for God. And those two things produce building up of people. And if you ask building for what, I would say, so that they can love God and love people. We are chosen by God. Our election is utterly humbling because it's owing to nothing in us. We are thus enabled to have true knowing, which is proved by its love for people and love for God, which results in building them up, not destroying them, so that they too can love people and love God. This is a great warning for us who love to know the scriptures. Let us seek to know them in a way that produces humility, not pride.